I'm Shannon. And this is This Podcast Doesn't Exist. Woohoo! <laughs> what? This is really, really cute. I didn't have anything Ooh. else to contribute. Uh, I'm a little podcast owl. Woohoo! Woohoo! <laughs> uh, if only he were on our bingo card. Oh, what bingo card, Emma? This bingo card that Shannon created for all of our uh, listeners to use while they listen to our podcast. It is found in the bio of our Instagram at This Podcast Doesn't Exist. Please go and play it and listen to us while you do. Maybe not if you're driving, but, you know, have some fun while you listen to us be silly. Well, and how silly of me to forget the bingo card that I created. <laughs> so silly. <laughs> the one that I don't even play. Well, that's okay. You have, you listen to us while you edit. Uh, but if you play along with the bingo, uh, please share your results. Screenshot, share it to your Instagram story. Tag us uh, so we can see how you're doing. So we can see, do we need to sing more randomly to help mm-hmm. you out? Do I need to name drop? musicals or fandoms you know yeah i'm not saying i'm gonna stack the deck for you but if you share and tag us then maybe uh maybe i can slip one in there for you you know just saying just in case jordan did ask me what qualifies as a fandom and i Mm. didn't have an answer for her i think your answer that you gave her was was fine appropriate yeah like a Marvel movie, a Harry Potter, a book series. Really yeah. anything that you feel like people would get together and talk about on the internet. Which could kind of be almost anything. Yeah. I think. I would agree. Does that mean conspiracy theorists are actually fanboys? fanboys? I mean, are football fans fanboys? Yes. Yes. Okay. They make fun of the nerds, but I'm like, uh, yeah. have you ever seen a group of... White dudes get sad about a football game. Seriously. Just saying. I can both change a tire and get excited about my favorite book series. So, y'all can calm down. Well, that's good. Now I know how who to call if I get a flat tire. Oh, yeah, dude. I'll, I'll teach you. It's real easy. Okay. I will. Okay. All right. What would you like to know what we're talking about today? Yeah, let's go. What are we learning about? Today, my friend... You're talking about Elvis. <laughs> I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't that. <laughs> I've also titled this in my in my notes "Undead Elvis." Oh, um, not for any zombie reasons, because I mean, I yeah. hate zombies, but um, it just seemed appropriate because it's not just about his life; it's also about his death. So this is going to be fairly heavy and dense in just information about Elvis, because I need you to know I knew absolutely nothing. Oh. I I just knew, like, Elvis songs and, like, a couple of other things. I knew really nothing about his life. Hmm. His life is actually fairly interesting. Um, I also did text Lucas uh, to figure out if he hadn't, because one of my best friends from high school, he is a musician, and when we were in high school together, he... It was, and still kind of is, like, obsessed with Elvis. It's <laughs> Not fair. necessarily, like, obsessed, obsessed, but, like, he loves Elvis. Um, so I texted him and I asked him, do you have any, like, anything to weigh in on this? And he was like, nah, I think he's dead. And I was like, dude. How boring. Just be helpful. Like, you don't have, like, a, a favorite one. Even if you believe, like, 
Well, Lucas, don't worry, I'll yell at you later. In the spirit of being helpful, should we plug Lucas's Spotify and things? Yes. Yes. So he's a wonderful musician. He has a TikTok, which I I didn't know that he yes, had a he does. <laughs> he has a TikTok that my mother follows. Oh goodness. Um, I'm not sure if he's still using it. Um, so I won't give it out because I don't have it from the top of my head. Um, but his name is Lucas Cachetta. He has some wonderful originals on Spotify. He's very easy to find. Um, and I would just say go and listen to Cue the Rain. It's his first original song. And it is on point. I love it. It's his first original? Didn't he have an EP before? Oh, he may have. I know there's one that's about Paul's Deli. But um, that's it, the first, it's the first one that was like picked up, I think. Oh, very cool. But yeah, he's an incredible dude. And now he has to listen to us because we... Yeah, dude, we just like plugged you. <laughs> just send him this clip us. to guilt. We love he, a... said, he said he was going to listen we, to us and Lucas... Mm. We love a guilt listen. Looking at you, people that I Facebook message. Directly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's, let's get into this. Okay. So, the king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley, is one of the best-known musical icons, if not Americans. His death in 1977 grieved the world, but some believe that Elvis didn't actually, quote, leave the building. Oh. So, we're starting in on Elvis's life. On January 8th, 1935, so a few days from recording is his uh, birthday, Elvis Aaron Presley was born to Vernon Presley, or uh, Vernon and Gladys Presley, 35 minutes after his stillborn twin, Jesse Guerin. Oh. So he had a twin, which I I feel like I knew, but I didn't. Like, I did I, not yeah. know that. So Elvis grew up as an only child and was the center of his parents' world in Tupelo, Mississippi, with a crowd of family members helping to take care of the small family. Jobs were slim, but his parents did their best to provide for him. They were members of the Assembly of God Church, which Elvis and his mother credited for his initial love of music because it was very much into the gospel Mm -hmm. era of music. I feel like that's a common story, even today, like Katy Perry, Kelly Clarkson, Carrie Underwood. Yeah. I feel like they all have ties to singing in church. Yeah. Beyonce, the queen. Yes. Love her. In 1945, at 10 years old, Elvis stood on a chair to reach the microphone at a youth talent contest at the Mississippi-Alabama Fair and Dairy Show held in Tupelo. He sings Old Ship and wins fifth prize, which earned him $5 in fair ride tickets. Woohoo! Which, honestly, as a 10-year-old, that would be all I'd want. Like I maybe throw in a funnel cake. Seriously, Done. like honest, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't have cared about getting first prize so long as I still got money for fair Tickets, rides. Yeah, yeah. All right. So for his eleventh birthday, Elvis asked for a bicycle. Gladys knew the family couldn't afford it, and leaning into his interest in music, convinced him to accept a guitar instead, a much cheaper gift. Hmm. It cost twelve dollars and ninety five cents. Which I then plugged it into the calculator for like inflation and all that, which is about a hundred and seventy-two dollars today. So it's not cheap. Yeah. But I was trying to think about it in the context of like of all the other things that they had to pay for. They didn't necessarily have to pay rent. They had a house that Vernon built for them. It was like a one-story shotgun house, mm-hmm. um, which is just basically like it's the front room and then the bedroom directly behind it. Um, 
and it had like a little itty bitty porch and all this is still standing. You can still go visit it. But like, so they don't have to pay rent. Like they have a lot, they need to be buying food and like, you know, taking care of all that. But still like $172 is not cheap. But like, how much was that bicycle? (laughs) Like if this was the alternative. I was just like, wow, okay. But they loved him, so they bought him a guitar. In an effort to find a better life and better jobs, the family moved to Memphis, Tennessee in 1948. They end up living in the poorer neighborhoods of North Memphis, all three of them working, once Elvis is old enough, to support themselves. They continue to attend the Assembly of God Church, and Elvis absorbs the inspiration of gospel and the blues he hears there and on the... and on Beale Street in Memphis. He grows his talent with the guitar and is known around his neighborhood and in his church as a talented musician and singer, mixing white country music and black blues music into his sound. So, like, you'll listen to Elvis songs and you'll you'll hear that, like, grovelly voice and that gospel music undertone. Um, but he, later in later life, definitely credits, like, the black community that he was surrounded by as his deep inspiration for a lot of his music. While in high school, Elvis enters a talent show and receives first prize, apparently to his surprise, like he did not expect it. After his graduation, he starts work at the Parker Mechanist Shop and that summer decides to use his paycheck to buy a special birthday gift for his mother. He stops by the Memphis Recording Service, which housed Sun Records, to record a demo record of My Happiness and That's When Your Heartaches Begin for $4. So, like, you would go in, you'd use their recording equipment, mm-hmm. and you they would uh, write a record for you and hand you the record and you go home with it. Sam Phillips, founder of Sun Records, recorded him and afterwards told his assistant about him. And she wrote in her notes, quote, good ballad singer, hold, end quote. So obviously they recognized that he had some talent. And this mm-hmm. is like just, he's 18. He's just out of high school. 1954 became the year that Elvis started to break out into the music world. Sam Phillips called him back to the studio to try recording a song that Phillips had wanted to put to record for a while, but didn't like Elvis's style when he sang it. <laughs> they tried a few more songs, and eventually Phillips decided to team Elvis and two other local musicians, Scotty Moore and Bill Black, to see if they could come up with some worthwhile music. They did, and recorded the first of five singles in the Elvis canon, released on the Sun label by early summer of 1954. And Scotty Moore and Bill Black play with Elvis for a really long time. Hmm. Not just as, like, the trio of them, but also later when he's Elvis Elvis, they come back to back him. Yeah. Which I appreciate. Like, who is it? Is it... Springsteen in the E Street Band, yeah. Whoever, I I'm think a, so. I'm a, I don't know. <laughs> I'm a bad. How Jersey are you? <laughs> I'm not as much as you would hope. <laughs> I don't know. <sighs> they toured the South and appeared in the fall on the Louisiana Hayride Show, a live Saturday night music show on the radio. Elvis signed a one-year contract with the show, which made it impossible for him to go on tour anywhere outside of the South. Mm. So Mm -hmm. he's kind of stuck in the Southern states for a little bit. Mm -hmm. In 1955, Elvis's son contract was sold to RCA with unprecedented sums. It was the highest at the time that any performer had been paid in compensation for their 
their music rights. Didn't write down how much that was, but I'm going to assume a lot. I believe you. Yeah. It's obvious that Elvis is starting to grow in popularity. And this is just 1955. So this is like a year after he's Mm -hmm. been like discovered. Two days after his 21st birthday in 1956, Elvis recorded Heartbreak Hotel, which topped the charts. In the next few years, recording songs and appearing on television and in movies that starred explicitly him, it becomes evident that though the older crowds of the U.S. are not his fans, they thought he was a bit too racy, the youth of America are crazy for him. Mm -hmm. They love not only his sound, but his moves, his style, and his handsome face. Those hips! So, what this reminded me of was, have you seen Grease? Yes. Yes, okay. So, there's that song that Rizzo sings about Sandra D and be, mm-hmm. about how, like, perfect and goody-two-shoes she is. And mm-hmm. there's a moment where she sings, Elvis, Elvis, let me be. Keep that pelvis far from me. That's all I could think of. <laughs> oh, well, see, I thought you were going to talk about the musical Bye Bye Birdie. Oh, that too. Which I, is directly yeah. related to Elvis. Yes. I, that's honestly one of those musicals as, as a movie mm-hmm. that I think works really well. On stage, it's interesting, but it's not as fun as it is in the movie. We did it my senior year of high school. Oh, uh, that's right. But it was the the unfortunate but culturally appropriate follow-up to us trying to do Hairspray. Oh. But we didn't have enough of a diverse cast come out. Yeah. And I'm very proud of our directors for being like, no, we're not going to try to make that work when it would be... Culturally insensitive. So instead we did Bye Bye Birdie. I I appreciate that. I played the mother, (laughs) which surprises no one. (laughs) And we were double cast, which was kind of unfortunate, but I was double cast with my best friend, Sarah. Oh, well, that's fine. You know, we love love Sarah. We do. Shout out to you. She's a teacher. She's great. I will say, too, Bye Bye Birdie the movie has Anne-Margaret as the uh, young ingenue. Mm-hmm. And Anne-Margaret was in uh, movies with Elvis at the oh. time as well. So it's interesting to me that she's, you know, in in a movie that's almost explicitly it's about Elvis. Inspired by Elvis. About wow, Elvis, yeah. That's fun. So I find, that, I find that cool. Elvis returned to his hometown of Tupelo in September of 1956 to perform at the Mississippi-Alabama Fair and Dairy Show. And there were a hundred National Guardsmen surrounding the stage to maintain control of the crowd. So the teenage girls. Yes. (laughs) Like, ah, that's so fun. Yes. At this time, Elvis merchandise became a phenomenon, as it hadn't been with any celebrity before. So they're just marketing all of this specifically Elvis Mm -hmm. stuff. And my favorite... Is So by this time, his song, You Ain't Nothing But a Hound Dog, had come out. Crying all the time. Yeah, which apparently was, like, racy, because to be, like, a hound dog was, like, you know, you were going after girls, like, wanting to have fun. Huh, all right. Which I did not put that together. But the 50s are different. Exactly. But my favorite thing that they sold were these little stuffed hound dogs. (laughs) 
Oh, I oh, what a good marketing move. Right? I was like, what oh, this is ideal so ideal marketing move. This is so perfect. It's so perfect. But they they had like t-shirts and buttons and like everything. Can I show that I'm a bad uh classic rock fan? That's okay. What years were the Beatles really popular? They're coming. Oh, okay. 60s. So he's before them. He's before oh, them. Oh, that makes sense. Duh, the 60s. 60s. All right. I'm back. I get it. It's interesting. Because he has a, a weird relationship with them mm. later on. Okay. By March of 1957, Elvis had accrued enough money to buy the famous Graceland Mansion in Memphis for his parents, his paternal grandmother, and himself to live in. He wouldn't be staying long, though, as his draft notice arrived in December of 1957. Mm-hmm. And these are the photos that I remember of, like, seeing Elvis. Like, of course, we see, like, his Jailhouse Rock video or, uh, like, uh, movie stills and stuff like that. And that iconic, like, striped shirt and his his pelvis moves and all of that. But these photographs of him in uniform, he's already a beautiful person. Like, it, like just he's just a handsome person. But in uniform, I, I can't imagine. I would definitely be all over him in the 50s if I were this girl. It's sorry, like this, Dylan. I, I'm sorry, babe. I think you would be too. Like, it's just... You do love a uniform. I do. I think it's a symptom of being a military kid. Oh, see, I directly am the opposite most of the time. (laughs) I know. It's fine. But anyway. He's transferred to Fort Hood for basic training in August of 1958, and he receives word that his mother is ill. Oh, no. So he's been at Fort Hood for a while, and in August is when he receives word. And this is for Vietnam? Or no? No, this is for um, Korea. Oh, right. Yes. He is granted emergency leave and visits her at the hospital. She has acute hepatitis and there is nothing to be done. On August 14th, at the age of 46, Gladys Presley dies. She's laid to rest in Forest Hill Cemetery, not far from Graceland, and Elvis returned to Fort Hood, devastated. While he's stationed in Europe, because he gets, after basic training, he gets stationed in uh, Europe and in Germany, specifically, his family follows him to maintain residences where he's stationed. So his father, grandmother, and some friends stay just out of Friedberg, where he's stationed for 18 months. He also stays there. He just maintains a residence just outside of base, Hmm. which I'm like, are you, like, are you allowed to do that? I mean, I guess if you have the money, as long as you report where you need to be. I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anything about that, but. Elvis finds Europe to be as enthusiastic about his music as his fans in the U.S. Because obviously everyone knows that he's there, but he can't perform while he's on duty. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, basically every time he goes on leave and he's able to get back to the U.S., he does his best to do any kind of songwriting, recording, anything that he can do while he's on leave, um, and then just gets right back to work when Mm. he's uh, back on duty. In 1959, when Elvis was 24, Captain Joseph Beaulieu, which is just a great last name, moved from Texas to the white... I'm going to say Weisbaden? Wiesbaden. Wiesbaden? All right. That's dope. Yeah. I did gymnastics there for like two years when I was a child. Well, the Wiesbaden Air Force Base near Friedberg 
Friedberg? How do you spell it? F-R-I-E-D-B-E-R-G. Friedberg. Friedberg. Usually you say the second vowel. Okay. Near Friedberg, with his wife and children, including his stepdaughter, Priscilla Ann. Oh, mm mm-hmm. mm -hmm. 14-year-old Priscilla Mm. is invited to a party at Elvis's off-base home, and apparently the two hit it off, despite the fact that she's a child. And how old is he at this point? He's 24. Yeah, no. It's a no from me, dog. They're exactly 10 years apart. Exactly? They're the same birthday? Well, no. Like, essentially 10 years apart. Okay. Which, I will say, my parents are nine years apart. Yes. They met when my mom was 17. Mm -hmm. They did not start dating until my mom was 19. Right. So, and they were just, they were friends. Mom, dad, correct me if I'm wrong, but you might not want me to tell, like, the world if I am wrong. But, like, (laughs) it's very interesting to me that with everything else that I learned about Elvis and all the other stuff that he did, this is, like, the one sticking point for me of just, like, no, dude. Also, if you're if you're an attractive, successful musician serviceman, you can probably get oh any woman any woman that you were interested in any woman. So why probably a the child? only reason he was interested in her is because she's fourteen and didn't have a clue who he was because that wasn't her scene or something. Oh, I don't it's know. Just I don't know. I mean, we see that a lot, unfortunately, in music where. Yeah older people i've recently everyone who knows me in real life uh will know this but i've recently fallen down the taylor swift rabbit hole yes you have and i'm not mad about it um but like john mayer dated her when she was 19 which like yeah technically she was an adult but he was like a grown man yeah like why bro yeah they hit it off that's yeah, they played ping pong and ate I cheese puffs. Like what? I, Sorry. I mean, is that what you do right at the cusp of 1960? I'm I not sure. cannot say. No. After eventually being promoted to sergeant, Elvis was officially discharged from active duty in March of 1960. He immediately starts back up with his recording and filming. He felt like he had lost two years of his career, which essentially he did, Mm -hmm. regardless of his time on leave, um, when he would come back to record or do anything. So, I get it. In 1962, the now 17-year-old Priscilla visited Elvis from Germany in the summer, and they spent their time in Las Vegas in between Elvis's filming for movies, and and she came again later in the year for Christmas. Only a year after, so in 1963, she moved to Memphis and graduated from high school there in 1963, May of 1963. Okay, so obviously... Was her family traveling with her? I don't think so. I think um, it was just her. Okay. Yeah. Elvis continues to make movies, buy homes, and sell out theaters, including a theater showing in Mexico City that resulted in a ban on Elvis films in Mexico as crowds destroyed the theater. They, like, ripped up seats they threw trash everywhere there were fights i have no clue what the instigating thing was like it's it's very interesting i wonder if it was like you know girls are crooning over elvis and their boyfriends were like no and like i don't know machismo i don't know (laughs) but in any case i don't know he was banned aggressive (laughs) 
1967, he and Priscilla finally married. Mm. Lisa Marie is born exactly nine months to the day after their wedding. Good for them. Right? Question mark. So, Elvis started his Las Vegas residency for a while in 1969 and 1970, regaining some of the admiration he felt at the beginning of his career, and started to tour the country finally. Now, this portion I'm really excited about, because this is just, this gives you an insight into the kind of person he was based upon his celebrity. Mm -hmm. Elvis met with President Nixon in 1970, taking a photo that has become the most requested photograph from the National Archives. The story behind it, however, gives us some insight. On December 21st, 1960, Richard Nixon invited Elvis to the White House. Now, Elvis had requested to meet him, stating in a letter that he brought to the White House, quote, I have done an in-depth study of drug abuse and communist brainwashing techniques, and I am right in the middle of the whole thing where I can and will do the most good. I would love to meet you just to say hello if you're not too busy, end quote. He believed that since he, at 35, was in touch with the youth of America, that he would be the perfect person to help. Elvis arrived that morning at the White House in a purple velvet suit, a gold belt, and wore a Colt 45 pistol on his hip. It's called fashion, Emma. It's called being wealthy and celebrity enough that you can get away with anything. And from the South. Ugh. Elvis had become an avid collector of police badges and wanted a badge from the Bureau of Narcotics and Dangerous Drugs. He also wanted to be named a federal agent at large by the Bureau. Now, according to Priscilla, his wife, quote, with the federal narcotics badge, he believed he could legally enter any country wearing both guns and carrying any drugs he wished. <laughs> End quote. Um... <laughs> Which, I like, in terms of motivation to, like, get this badge... I wonder if it, it was both, like, I want to be able to do whatever I want, but also I want to, like, be able to flash it to do whatever I want in that Honestly, way. if I were angling for a political appointment to do whatever I want, I would rather be a diplomat. Right? Because you can literally immunity. commit murder and diplomatic immunity. Yeah. Just be like, uh, nah, I'm going back. <laughs> nah. Nah, I'm going back where I... Look, there was a whole West Wing arc about it that was Ooh. very frustrating. So the only information about what happened in this meeting comes from a memo by an aide in the room named Eagle Bud Crow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I don't know where it came from. Who wrote the following. Quote, Presley indicated that he thought the Beatles had been a real force for anti-American spirit. He said that the Beatles came to this country, made their money, and then returned to England where they promoted an anti-American theme. The president nodded in agreement and expressed some surprise. The president then indicated that those who use drugs are also those in the vanguard of anti-American protest. Violence, drug usage, dissent, protest all seem to merge in generally the same group of young people. Presley kept repeating that he wanted to be helpful that he wanted to restore some respect for the flag which was being lost. 
He said he could go right into a group of young people or hippies and be accepted, when he, which he felt could be helpful to him in his drug drive. The president indicated again his concern that Presley retain his credibility. End quote. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, so he he does not like the Beatles. The Beatles are becoming, like, not all, they were already big at this point, because this is 1970. Already mm-hmm. big. They're starting to move with the times in terms of the way that they're writing music. Mm-hmm. So their music is becoming much more along the lines of, like, that hippie, trippy mm-hmm. stuff. And for Elvis, that seems, like, counter to, you know, what music should be kind of thing. Also, I'm sure you were mad that they were selling a lot of records. Oh, absolutely. And they weren't <laughs> from the U.S. Like they right. Were, yeah. So. The British invasion. Yeah. So Elvis was presented with a badge, but it was an honorary one. Uh-huh. But no one told Elvis this. Oh, well, who who would want to? Right? Like, why, would you, to be why, that would, you tell, why would you tell the king, oh, yeah, totally, don't use that, don't try and use that badge. Elvis hugged the president on his way out, too. Like... What a funny image. Right? <laughs> what a hilarious image. And here, image. Let, me, let me show you... Let me show you the uh, picture of the two of them. Because, honestly, they both look so comfortable with each other. Just chilling. Just straight chilling. Just... Wow. What a look. Right? Remember, purple velvet. And I love that he's wearing it sort of like a cape. Yeah, it's not even like he's put his arms through. <laughs> he's just draping it's it. Just draped it over himself. Fashionable gentleman. So yeah, so that that photo exists. All right. So now it becomes obvious as the years go on that Elvis's popularity is waning. His films start to chart lower than fifty in the box office. <gasps> no, I know he made a lot of movies, and his songs, though still charting, are not where he believes they should be. In October of 1973, Priscilla and Elvis amicably divorce, sharing custody of Lisa Marie. So they were they were friends to the end. So hmm. obviously they had at least a good friendship going on. Elvis began to get into the groove of touring and seemed to really enjoy it. He didn't tour outside of the United States except for Toronto, Toronto, Toronto and Ottawa. Those are the only two places that he ever toured outside of the U.S. But hmm. he was a huge hit. In, in the States. He felt like he was on the rise again during these tours, but his fans started to see a key difference in him. He was starting to gain weight, he was losing stamina to f- perform full concerts on his tours, and he was starting to become fairly obsessive about spiritualism and his past self. So, like, his past image. He tried to keep wearing, like, the same kind of outfits, the, like, mm-hmm. white tuxedo look mm-hmm. that he's very famous for, all that. It was getting very obvious. And there's one concert that he did fairly close to the time that he died that he was only on on stage for an hour, which is like the minimum mm-hmm. that it could possibly be yeah, if he really. was on stage. And he was completely, no one could understand him at all. Like mm. he was talking to them, like mumbling into the microphone. No one could understand what he was doing or saying. It was, it was not great. On the 16th of August, 1977, Elvis was at Graceland preparing last-minute details of his next tour. He's supposed to fly to Portland, Maine to perform on the 17th. He goes to his room to rest around 7 a.m. to wait for his evening flight. By late morning, Elvis had passed due to heart failure. 
It was a shock to the world. Elvis was 42 years old. Now, Graceland, the place, has its own uh, website and everything you can go visit. It's a huge tourist attraction in Memphis. It's a beautiful old house, and it's much smaller than you'd anticipate it being. Hmm. There are a lot of, like, other buildings outside. There's a barn. He was really into horses and stuff, and so was Lisa Marie and Priscilla. But it's interesting to me, like, because I, I got a lot of this information from the biography of Elvis on Graceland's website, because mm-hmm. I figured that's the most credible place. But their biography does not mention that Elvis was, in fact, found on the bathroom floor, looking as though he had frozen while seated on the toilet and had just fallen over. <laughs> Yes, I feel like that is the thing you hear about Elvis passing. Yeah. So, the king's funeral was held at Graceland on August 18th, where people crowded outside the gates to get a glimpse. A car rammed into a group of fans, killing two women and critically injuring a third just outside the gates. So, this is a mob of people. 80,000 people flocked the processional route from Graceland to Forest Hill, where Elvis was buried next to his mother. After someone attempted to steal his body later in the month... I'm sorry, what? (laughs) Someone tried to dig up his body and steal it. Both Elvis and his mother's bodies were reburied inside the grounds of Graceland so that they could just basically be like, no, no. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no. No thanks. No thank you. Now, let's talk about Elvis's death. Okay. It has been revealed that Elvis had started a dependency on prescription drugs, mm-hmm. which apparently he saw as separate from illegal drugs. <laughs> oh, buddy. Yeah. Well, it's just like, alcohol is legal, so that you, that's not an issue, but weed is bad because it's illegal yeah. most places. So there was that kind of thing in him of like, well, I've been prescribed these, so Well, and I have a badge, them. so... <laughs> I do what I, 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 do what I got I a badge. I can do whatever I want. Nixon gave it to me. These prescription drugs worsened his body and probably contributed to, contributed to his heart attack. Mm-hmm. He had seen his dentist the night before his death and was given codeine pills for pain. The possibility for anaphylactic shock brought on by a mild allergy to this medication might have also contributed to his heart failure. Oh, no. He knew he was mildly allergic to codeine. He just took it anyway. So, there's that. Um, okay. In fact, a pair of lab reports filed two months after the King's autopsy suggested polypharmacy, which is just basically, like, all kinds of drugs, Mm -hmm. as the primary cause of death. He had 14 drugs in his system. Oh. 10 in a large quantity. Oof. That's a, that's like a lot. Yeah. I can't imagine taking 10 medications. I'm sure plenty of people do to like maintain their health, but like, I'm sure that there's some kind of conflict if there's 14 of them in your system. Well, and if even one of those medications is affecting his mental state, then it's like, if he's, if he's responsible for managing his own intake. Right? Yeah. To me, there's clearly a risk for mis, misdosing. Yeah. Like. The wrong not necess- yeah, not necessarily overdosing. Like, it's not an intentional thing. But, but like... All the interactions. Oof. Yeah. Like, it, even, like, I learned that Robitussin and Tylenol do not mix. Oh. Apparently. 
or maybe it's ibuprofen, something like that, where it's just like they you can't mix them because they can cause your throat to close up or your like arteries to oh goodness close up. I forget. In any case, I've just not I've I, made sure I don't have Robitussin. I mean, I'm always paranoid about ibuprofen because ever since I was in high school and I was, you know, able to take my own medicine for my headache, my mom was always like, be careful because if you take too much, your liver will be, it'll damage your liver. And I'm like, I don't. It's basically if you take six ibuprofen every single day. Yeah, well. But like, yeah. Yeah. I get it. Fortunately. Yeah. Michael Baden, a forensic historian and pathologist, seems to believe that it isn't as cut and dry as all that. He has said that Elvis had an enlarged heart for a long time, and that with the drug habit, that caused his death. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, it was too difficult to diagnose one or the other at the time, mm-hmm. at least so far as they said. However, a reopening of the autopsy report in 1994 showed no data that supported death from a drug overdose. Mm-hmm. Which it necess- wasn't necessarily a drug overdose. Just right. to put an that back out there, polypharmacy is not a overdose. It is a mixture of drugs that can cause bad reactions within your body. Mm-hmm. Everything pointed to a severe heart attack, but not everybody supports this theory. Because you can have a severe heart attack and have that be what you die from, but it can be caused right. by a number of things. It should also be noted that about a week before his death, three former bodyguards of Elvis published a book called Elvis What Happened, which detailed Presley's years of drug misuse. And Elvis's attempts to halt the release were unsuccessful. Like, this was August 1st when this book was published, and Mm -hmm. August 16th is when he dies. Hmm. So, like, this was broiling at this time. Right. And was being read. Like, people were like, oh my gosh, Elvis. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh my gosh, Elvis. <clears throat> Put that on the merch. Oh my gosh, Elvis. Keep up, Elvis. It's far from me. <laughs> That's all I can think of. I don't like that voice. I, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I can't. I shan't. Shamot. That's not my name. That's not my name. Uh, no, that's not my name. All right. Sorry. So, Elvis sightings alive. Oh. So there's well, I'm a- glad there are people, people aren't running into dead Elvis. I'm dead like Elvis, you open man. A, you open a coat closet, you're like, whoa. <laughs> you open a coat closet and what, Shannon? <laughs> and there's dead Elvis in there. <laughs> Just like the body leaned up against the, the side, like rigor mortis. Rigor mortis only lasts for, like, 12 hours after death. Wait, really? Yeah. So, like, when you go to a funeral and the body is, like, in oh, the it's coffin, like real it's, like, a floppy? Yeah, it's, it's wow. super floppy. But they, I feel... they filled it with formaldehyde and sometimes newspaper, so. Sorry, you, you did not need to know that. <laughs> I apologize. I already knew that because of a, uh, an episode of My Favorite Murder. Yeah, sorry. But I don't remember his name. The boy yeah. in the wrestling mats. Yeah. Anyway. We'll, we'll get to that case, because that's one that really oh, hurts my heart. Oh, do we have to? It's one that really hurts my heart, and I feel is very important to talk about, because yeah. it was so mishandled. Oh, but, oh, all right. Yeah, um, sorry. We can we can talk about well, that Well, I just feel that cartoons have lied to me, because I thought dead bodies were all stiff as a board forever. Well, if you ever happen upon a dead body, 
First of all, don't touch it. Call the police. Duh. But if they come and the EMTs are, like, picking them up, you can tell if they're stiff or not. Because sometimes morticians have to break rigor mortis ah. in order to do their autopsies. Because um, your body can freeze in the position that you die in. And there have been times where it's, like, because in order to break rigor mortis, you need, like, a lot of force. So there have been times where people need, like, three or four people to help break a body, basically. Don't, do not snap me like a glow stick. <laughs> I don't like that. Human glow sticks. <laughs> I just, now I have the image of three morticians just cracking you onto a, onto a slab. And then and I just glow purple. glow purple. <laughs> well. Just mouth open. Ah. <laughs> Something I picked up at the Denver airport. Yeah. <laughs> human glow stick. Oh my god. You're welcome. Put that on the merch, actually. Uh, wow. What if we had glow... Oh my gosh. Oh, we'll oh. make human glow sticks. Like, glow sticks that are in the shape of people. You snap them against, like, a snap bracelet, <laughs> but, like, glow stick style. Like, we'll workshop it. If you have ideas, please write in. Oh my gosh. I'm sure Dylan has some ideas. Ugh. He probably thinks we're very weird, but no take backs. I have no take backs, man. You married me. I was there. You were. So there's a long standing theory among diehard fans that the king is alive. And the conspiracy began the day he died. Oh. The okay. afternoon of August 16th, 1977, while the rest of the world was mourning, a man who had an extreme resemblance to Elvis is said to have bought a one-way ticket from the Memphis airport to Buenos Aires. He gave the name John Burroughs, which Elvis used as his pseudonym when checking into hotels on tour. Mm. However, Patrick Lacey, author of Elvis Decoded, claims that he debunked the popular theory when he interviewed employees and officials of the airport. Apparently, International flights weren't available from Memphis until the 80s, making it impossible that a one-way could have been booked. But, I will say, one-ways can also include several layovers. One-way just means you don't want a return ticket. Mm -hmm. So, if he had wanted to lay low, this may have been the way to do it. Of like, yeah, I'm like, going to jump some airports and maybe... Florida and... But, like, even if I have a one-way ticket to Buenos Aires, I have enough money that I don't have to go to Buenos Aires. I can get to the airport that I'm having a layover at and buy a different ticket there and go mm -hmm. somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So that, like, even if somebody does figure out, oh my gosh, you bought a ticket in Memphis to this place. we got to go find him there. Like, He's wherever he wants to be. Mm-hmm. So, maybe, maybe not. Elvis Presley's funeral also garnered a lot of what-ifs around the star's death. Footage from the service shows about 12 pallbearers struggling with the 900-pound copper coffin. Bro. Like, that's, a, that's so heavy. <laughs> Regardless of his weight gain, there's no way he and the casket weigh a half ton. Almost a half ton. Yeah. Like, obviously you have to factor in the fact that there's a casket and there's flowers on top of it and a body inside of it and the stuff that's, like, you know, mm -hmm. surrounding the body and all of that. But 900 pounds seems like a lot. But again, I don't... I wasn't there. I've, I have seen the video and I'll show it to you later. Um, and I'll, it's in the show notes, so go ahead and look at it. But it honestly just looks like they're struggling to get it up the stairs of Graceland mm -hmm. Mansion. Mm -hmm. 
rather than like actually struggling to carry it down the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. But in any case, there has been another explanation put forward that there was a wax dummy in the casket instead, along with a cooling system to keep it from melting on the hot summer day. This is supported by Gene Smith, a cousin of Elvis, who said that upon looking into the open casket, quote, his nose was kind of puggy looking and his right sideburn was sticking straight out, looked about an inch, and his hairline looked like a hairpiece or something was glued on, end quote. So if you've seen, you'll look at pictures of Elvis in our Instagram post, he has a very like aquiline nose, like it's very straight and long and very like, it's not puggy, it, it, mm-hmm. and like, piggy, really. Like, I think that's what he meant. It's like, I like of, the dog. Or puggy, yeah. Like, it's kind of squished, mm-hmm. um, a little bit flatter. It's not that his nose does not look like that. And the fact that his sideburns and his hair, like, if you, you saw, uh, there, there's the picture of him and Nixon. That's about what his hair looked like around the time that he died. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of floof. It's a lot of 1970s floof. And his signature sideburns are, like, a thing that he keeps very particular. Um, so it's interesting that it looked like it was glued on. He added that Elvis's hands were smooth, which was really unusual for the musician because he has calloused hands of a guitarist, mm-hmm. and that there was sweat on his brow, which I will say is not uncommon for dead bodies. It's not necessarily sweat more along the lines of like condensation so sorry about it mm. sorry so far as i am aware if i am wrong if we have any forensic people this is what i have garnered from listening to millions of podcasts and reading a lot of books so i because i am not a mortician or a like pathologist or anything like that like maybe i'm wrong but let me know it may not have been a wax dummy at all or even the king but rather a double kept cold in the casket and made to look up like the king, um, while the real man went off to find retirement and peace. So rather there's like an alive person in the coffin, which is why the body was sweating and the hands were not calloused and there was a hairpiece on. Um, And so maybe there was a cooling system, but it was keeping an alive person cool during August. Hmm. Don't want that job. No. Because eventually they close the lid. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This double could have been the stillborn brother, actually alive and raised by other family members, as the Presleys were extremely poor and could probably only afford to raise one son. There's been no evidence of this, but it's fun to speculate, as there have been theories about Elvis having a double starting in 1976, so like a year before his death, when he started to get mubbly. Okay, but also... If I have a secret twin somewhere, like, if you were the secret twin that was taken away and, like, raised separately, I'm not about to step in for my famous twin. No. You know what I mean? Right? I I don't think I'd even do that for someone that I was close with. Right? I'm not getting in a coffin for you. There go my plans for my birthday. I love you. I love you. Um, I love you. I'm claustrophobic. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Yeah. Never. No. Do not put me in a coffin unless I'm dead. Even then, you're you want to be a diamond. No. Or a vase. There you go. I thought I probably no. talked you out you, of the vase. No. You determined that you should better be a diamond. 
I know I want you to be a diamond. Yeah. I don't need to be one. No, you just told me not to throw you overboard. Because the ocean is scary. Yeah, true. If I throw you overboard, will you haunt me? Do you want me to haunt you? Yes. <laughs> I don't know how to answer that question. Okay, I'm going to throw you overboard. Rude! <laughs> <laughs> just rude. Sorry. No, you're not. Mm, yeah, that's true. <laughs> The headstone on Presley's grave also raises suspicions. Elvis's middle name, Aaron, was given to him spelled as A-R-O-N, potentially in memory of his stillborn brother's middle name, Garen, G-A-R-O-N. However, it seems that Elvis just preferred the more common spelling, which is proven by legal documents bearing his name. So, that... It, it, some people are like, oh my gosh, it's a it's a clue It's it, for his fans to let us know that he's not actually gone. Oh, because... It's not his name. The way he did it. Yeah. Okay. But it's like, oh, well. Or if right. he just never legally got it changed. Yeah, I... Mm. I anyway. No. The second sighting of Elvis came on December 31st, 1977, when a photo was snapped around the pool house by a visitor to Graceland. A few years after visiting, the man was studying his photographs and saw a shadowed male figure sitting in the doorway. This, to him, looked like Elvis. He's got the right build, he's got the right outline, the right shadow. Okay. Photography experts at the time verified that nothing on the photograph had been messed with, so obviously someone had had been looking out of the house. It has been suggested that it was actually a Presley associate, Al Strada, and some have taken this as fact, including the man who took the photograph, but nothing has been proven. Because you can't, like, unless you were standing there when it happened, you don't have any proof of what happened. A similar case of photographed evidence popped up a few years later in a 1984 newspaper photo. The photo was of Muhammad Ali being discharged from the hospital and Jesse Jackson, his friend, but behind them was a man who looked extremely like Elvis. So I'm going to show you the photograph. Jesse Jackson, also reportedly a Freemason, (gasps) in addition to being a famous athlete. Mm -hmm. The more you know. All right, so here's the photograph. Uh Uh-huh. And the man in the back. Mm Mm-hmm. Does it look like Elvis to you? Well, I mean, in this context, sure. I don't think if I saw that photo just in a book or something, I don't think I'd be like, oh, that's Elvis behind them. Okay. I mean, I, it the, it's, it's still the 70s, right? Yeah. So I feel like everybody has floppy boy hair. Like yeah. Kelso. He looks like Kelso yes, from that 70s show. from that show. 70s show. Absolutely, he does. I wonder if that's where they... I mean, no, obviously not. It was the kind of hairstyle at the time. <laughs> In my head, I was like, oh my gosh, maybe they like modeled him after Elvis, but no. Oh. Sports agent Larry Kolb came forward with the color picture to prove that it was him in the shot, not the king. But later, when asked to identify the man, Muhammad Ali said, my friend Elvis. So either Muhammad Ali has been hit in the head too many times, <laughs> or... He's a troll. Yeah. So Or if he's been real. paid. He's been paid off. But anyway. Elvis was spotted at a Burger King by a young woman in Kalamazoo, Michigan in 1988. The king at the king. Yep. <laughs> Apparently it was one of his favorite chains. He would 
eat okay burger king they have really good onion pretty rings. regularly dang now i want to now i want onion rings no no we have good food we have to eat well must otherwise, we though yes otherwise our bodies will hurt maybe later There is this weird theory that he showed up as a background extra in Home Alone, seen behind Catherine O'Hara's character at the airport, but the real character actor has come forward and said, it's me, and shown a picture of himself side by side. But there are still people who don't believe it to be true. Mm -hmm. In 2016, a video of a Graceland groundskeeper appeared on the internet, and he kind of does look like Elvis. At this point, Elvis would be 81 years old, and diehards do believe that this is Elvis Presley, but it's been completely debunked. The man is actually a Graceland employee named Bill Barmer, and he he's there's this video of this uh, Elvis fan, like someone who came to Graceland, um, and found Bill Barmer and was like, oh my gosh, you're the guy from the video. Obviously, you're not Elvis. He, in the video, he like he that they take to be like this is him. He goes, yeah, and I'm not 81. Like he looks no more than 60. He's just a a guy with a big white beard. Mm-hmm. Like so, it, it, for the, those people who are like, oh, it's definitely Elvis. Like the white beard is like, oh, he's 81. Like he's older. This guy does not walk, move, or talk like an 81 year old. And he's he's like, well, I'm not 81. It's like, guys. I'm not, I'm not 81. Isn't that wild, though, that I feel like, in general, we would all say, yeah, 60 and 80 are both, quote-unquote, old. Yeah, like, older, older. Yeah. yeah. But that's a 20-year difference. Yeah. That's the difference between us being six or seven and where we are now. Yeah. That's wild. Time is wild, you guys. Yeah. So... That one's been completely debunked, and it's mm-hmm. very obvious that it's him in the video. Still, there are people who don't believe it. Yeah. That maybe Bill Barmer is Elvis Presley, and I'm like, okay, this dude is not 81. Like, even him just saying it, like, if that's not enough for you, you can just tell. Mm-hmm. He's not 81. On the Graceland official website, there is a whole section dedicated to Elvis sightings, but they aren't what you think. It's actually just avid fans posting anything they find in connection to Elvis, not really the possibility that he's still out there. And it's really kind of weird because it's like it'll be people who go into like diners or stores or who are watching TV and like an an Elvis impersonator or an Elvis poster or um, an Elvis song comes up. Um, And then they'll just, like, either take a photo of it and post it to this portion of the website or they'll, like, write out a little, like, blurb. There's a, there's a lot of people on this planet with a lot of time on their hands. No. And internet access. So, those are all the sightings of him if he were alive. Now let's go into some sightings of him dead. No, thank you. If Elvis is actually still alive, then it's kind of weird that there have been some sightings of his ghost elsewhere. Or maybe it's his ghost everywhere as, like, the sightings of people thinking that he's alive or it's not a ghost and he's just pretending to be the ghost. I don't know. I'm just here to read all this to you. So, that's just... I mean, if you had faked your death, would you not want to 
maybe sometimes be a ghost. Haunt people while you're alive. On the merch. Dude. So a visitor, a woman who absolutely loved Elvis, was in the wing of one of the buildings on Graceland property that houses all of Elvis's jumpsuits. <laughs> cool. Yep. She was looking at one of the items when she thought she saw someone move in her peripherals, and she turned to look, but there was no one. When she turned back to look through the glass, Elvis's face was staring at her. Mm-mm. It disappeared quickly, and she looked around to try and see if there was a reflection anywhere that she could have seen from, like, a poster or mm-hmm. someone walking by, but found nothing. She saw his reflection once more in a different room, and that was all she could handle before leaving the grounds. Yeah, no thank you. Yeah. The Las Vegas Hilton, where Presley performed whenever he was in town, is a site where the ghost of the king is said to roam. There have been multiple occasions of people spotting him in the penthouse suite or in the basement where he used to hang out with his musicians before and after his shows. There has even been a sighting of him in the freight elevator where he often hid to get away from fans. (laughs) Wayne Newton has seen Elvis during a performance, he claims. He was singing to his audience one night, looked down, and there was Elvis. But I'm going to caveat that with the fact that you are in Las Vegas, Mr. Newton. (laughs) True. The possibility of seeing Elvis anywhere in Vegas is very high. And I don't mean, like, the real Elvis. I mean, like, all of the Elvis impersonators, like, the drag kings, all of anybody. Mm-hmm. Dressed as Elvis. The people who marry you in the uh, in the chapels. Like, absolutely there are Elvis everywhere. So, maybe, maybe not. The Knickerbocker Hotel in Hollywood has instances of a Presley ghost, especially in room 1016, which guests say is regularly cold regardless of what temperature it is outside. Mm. I'm also going to caveat this in that air conditioning exists. Uh, Yeah, and it usually is pretty intense in hotels. Yeah. But, I mean, they say that it is, like, impossible to just like the name of the place. Knickerbocker Hotel. Yeah. Yeah. Another ghost sighting is a bit more on the psychic side. Uh Uh-oh. A young man named Tony had run away from home in Georgia to make it as an actor in L.A. He left behind records and posters of Elvis whom he admired. His father, Harold, was a police officer and constantly worried about his runaway son. One night, he had a dream, and Elvis, dressed as an officer, appeared to him, telling him that he was worried about Tony, too. He was running with a bad crowd, he said, and on drugs. Elvis gave Harold directions to the home Tony was staying in, even describing the surrounding buildings. Harold and his family went out to L.A. and found Tony, right where Elvis described in the dream. Later... Tony told his father that he had dreamed of Elvis that night, and he had told Tony that his father was coming to get him. Harold hadn't told anyone about his dream before that. Oh, wow. So. Wait, but how did he explain it to the rest of his family? He's like... I'm not sure. The the article in the Houston News didn't really... Or Houston Gazette or whatever it was, didn't really elaborate. Um, But... It seemed that he had not told anybody why he thought his son was there. They Hmm. just found him. Whatever the case may be, the legacy of Elvis lives on in the charities that he helped to fund, both in his hometown and in Memphis, 
the low-income housing he supported in Memphis just outside the Graceland grounds, and his own family that maintains his home. Lastly, I just want to mention that what I knew about Elvis was that he loved fried peanut butter, banana, and bacon sandwiches, and that just makes me want to throw up. Yeah. It's a lot. It's like when my dad was in college, he used to eat fried bologna and peanut butter sandwiches, and it was just like, oh, I don't understand why. No thanks. Yeah. That probably didn't help the heart condition. No. he Elvis loved fried food, any kind of like... Like, when you think, like, American diner food, like mm. corn dogs and french fries and onion rings, absolutely. That's what he loved. You're not helping right I'm now. I'm so sorry. We're both really hungry. We're going to go downstairs and make some dinner. But, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm getting hungry, too. <laughs> but. Also, shout out. I mean, I know he was from Mississippi, but he lived in Memphis, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Tennessee. Between Elvis and Dolly Parton. Yeah, they're really living through. it up. Honestly. One last note, the, quote, Elvis has left the building, the phrase, was first used, this is from Wikipedia, word for word, because I, it Mm -hmm. felt useless to paraphrase, the phrase was first used by promoter Horace Logan at the Shreveport Municipal Memorial Auditorium in Shreveport, Louisiana, on December 15th, 1956. Elvis had appeared in the middle of the night's lineup, and Logan needed to quiet the audience so that the remaining performers could play. So they were going crazy mm-hmm. and like basically encore. like encore, like we just want Elvis for the rest of the night. And he had to say, Elvis has left the building. Like he's not coming back. <laughs> That's so funny. Right? But also true. Also, folks, if you don't like the openers or you don't care for the openers or know them when you're going to see a band or an artist, don't be rude about it. No. Go get your merch. Or your snacks while the line is shorter, or maybe it's longer if a lot of people don't. I don't remember. I just... From going... I, I, the amount of concerts that I've actually been to, it's very, very few. Well, most of the time, I enjoy the openers, but I, I remember in high school... Oh, God. <laughs> this is such a cringe moment. Um, but me and my two friends, Brian and Stephanie, we went to the Jingle Ball yes. in Hershey. Yeah. Uh, which was close to where we lived. We went specifically to see... Do you want to try and guess who? It was like 2011. Oh. Um, it wasn't any kind of punk band, was it? No. Yeah. It was not. I knew, that was, was I knew that was too easy. Something far more embarrassing. Oh. Um. Based on Nickelodeon, if that helps at all. Was it the Joe Bros? No, although Joe Jonas was there. The Jonas Brothers were no longer together as a group. Oh, that's right. But also, uh, the artist Jojo was also there. So we oh, had Joe, Jojo. We had Jojo and Joe Jonas. I loved, I loved Jojo. Um, I have no clue. It was the band Big Time Rush, which oh, was a boy band yeah. that was based around a TV show, or yeah. the TV show was Based around that. I don't recall which came first. Anyway, super embarrassing because we were like juniors in high school. (laughs) But I I will say I've never, I don't judge when it comes to music because there's, it's whatever makes you happy because music is about what makes you happy. So like, regardless of the fact that I am, I really hate metal music. If that, if that's what makes you happy, I'm not going to judge you. We're not. 
If what you yeah. love is One Direction, I'm not going to judge you. It's what makes your... We're like, not here to yuck anyone else's yum. But the point of that embarrassing story is to share that Sean Paul was one of the people. Yes. Oh, see, you were you would have been very excited. You would have been dancing to temperature and all his other uh, hits that I don't know because That's that was right. not my jam. But at that point, we vacated our seats to go get merch, and there was literally no line, and it was. I mean, great. yeah, it definitely take advantage of not having to wait in a line, especially after twenty twenty, being stuck. Like, I never want to wait in another line ever well, again. I mean, but if it means I'm waiting in line to, like, be on a ride at Disney World or get on a plane to go somewhere fun, that's fine. I feel like those are appropriate lines. Whereas, like, the inappropriate lines are the ones where you're like, I'm going to take a bathroom break at the same time everybody else does. Hmm. Like, without, like, just think, think forward a little bit to, like, how am I going to maximize my enjoyment? True. So. Anyway, I just think yeah. that's very funny that that's where that that yeah uh, saying originated from. I really I really like it. So thoughts? I think he might still be alive, but I how also, old would he be now? He would be, I think he'd be eighty five. Hmm. Because um, he was supposed to be eighty one in twenty sixteen. Okay. 20, 17, 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021. Well, and it's almost his birthday. It's almost his birthday. So, so in five years. Wait, 81. when does this episode come out? Oh, this will come out well after. This is like, oh, that's true, that's true, that's true. We record them in batches, so sometimes I... I forget what... So happy time. belated birthday, Mr. Presley, if, you're, yes. if you are listening. Mm-hmm. I... He'd be 86. I today. just... I guess I... Uh, it's kind of like I feel about Tupac. You know, yeah. if, it, if nobody got hurt and you're living your best life, why not? After, after a scathing... Uh, reveal of your drug issues uh, like a couple weeks before he passed like mm-hmm. a skating review of all of your life up to that point um, maybe you would want to have a quiet retirement you knew that your music wasn't going to be what everyone would want from that point on um, maybe you were trying to, you know, make it easier on your family rather than step away. You wanted to go out in a blaze of glory. Well, is, it, hope... a, is it a blaze of glory if you're discovered on the bathroom floor? I'm not going to, I, there, I, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> Graceland doesn't talk about it. We don't talk about it. All right. Um, but I mean, he's well over 80 now. Mm-hmm. Um, and he must just be in a nursing home eating as many sandwiches as he wants, if he is still alive. Like, is there a, do the, what are words? Do any of the theorists have, has his wife or daughter ever said anything that they point to or? No. um, So Lisa Marie is a part of Scientology. Oh, no. um, As were her children. And Elvis Presley's grandson, Lisa Marie's son, just recently passed away um, from a drug overdose. Oh, no. Um, And he he looks uncannily like Elvis. Oh. So it's an interesting thing, but Lisa Marie has maintained that her father tragically passed away at a young age. Like, there's never been any kind of, like, Hmm. big reveal or anything. Um, I only bring up that that she's a part of Scientology because I've been listening to the Scientology 
podcast with uh, what's her name? I forget. It's a, it's it's an interesting. It's it's uh, what is it called? Give me a second. <laughs> free it, free game. They talk about Scientology's free game uh, aspects. Just it, it, look it up. It's it's really interesting. Hmm. It's fascinating. But she was really good friends with Lisa Marie. Can I tell you? I personally don't ever want to talk about Scientology on the podcast. No, we will never talk about Scientology. Because I'm, I'm scared of them. Absol- absolutely. <laughs> um, in the same vein, we will never talk about QAnon. Yeah. Anyway, so about Elvis. So about Elvis. There I, is... I, I, if he, like I said, if he did that and he's lived a good life, awesome. I appreciate him because my mom had a CD of his... I'm assuming Greatest Hits. I don't recall the name of the album, but it was Gold. Hmm. I say album. It was a CD. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But it was definitely in the rotation for our Dance Around the Kitchen Aww. music. So That's cute. That's fun. Um, and lastly, I just want to show Shannon the conspiracy, conspiracy page that I found. It is called the Elvis Information Network. This is its front page. <laughs> oh no! It'll be in the show notes. I'm not gonna post a picture of, of the of the front page of it, but feel free to wander through. But a lot of these websites that they link, um, it has a disclaimer that says, "In 2019, we discovered that almost all of the above websites have closed. We have removed the unreliable links." <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's there's tons of conspiracies on here of like you know illegitimate children that he possibly could have had a whole new wave of elvis sightings oh man um there's a whole section on his uh doppelganger uh, or like double um and it being his his brother there's also a whole section on illuminati oh there's a whole section on the rosicrucians oh. and him being abducted by aliens i don't so like that image. i absolutely hate it um, so there's a, there's a lot in this that I just like, I got, okay, so I got to this point and I went, I'm done. <laughs> like, I got to the alien stuff and I was like, you no. know what, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna even delve into this much further because there isn't a lot of reputable information on here. So <laughs> I'm just going to. Wow. Yeah. But, but God bless. You just gave our bingo players two bonus unexpected. Yeah. squares in the last five minutes of the pod. I just find it to be very funny that there is such a, I mean, not funny because it's, it's, it's a real thing that this was a very famous person who had a very large cult following Mm -hmm. of people who just basically worshipped him. And even now, like 40-ish years after his death, there are still people visiting his home. There are still people who are, you know, seeing him out into the wild, like all that. And there's still conspiracy theories that are rolling around. But I will say there's not a lot more time for those conspiracies of Elvis being currently alive to continue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like maybe if he reaches 100 or so, like, yeah, for a little while, maybe another 40 years or so. But like, okay, faked deaths have a timeline they really do but ghosts are forever yeah honestly with the sightings i mean again they're they're very few and far between i didn't find a lot of personal stories about elvis's ghost but can i 
related to ghosts and bring us full circle. Absolutely. What has continued to pop in my head throughout this episode is that one country song, uh, Walking in Memphis, because they have a whole verse about seeing Elvis' ghost. Mm -hmm. And if I recall correctly, one Lucas Cachetta would torture you by singing that song. Yes. Frequently. Yes. Driving. So he and I used to drive to school together because he had a car and I didn't. Um, and he, his mom's house was in the same neighborhood as my parents' house. And so he'd drive by and pick me up and we'd drive to school senior year. And it was a constant rotation of either Johnny Cash, whom I love, or Elvis, who I don't mind. But when you listen to the songs over and over, and Lucas Cachetta knows all the words <laughs> to all these songs. So I'm not just listening to Elvis, I'm listening to Lucas, which isn't a bad thing, but it there's a lot of like, since I don't know it, I can't sing along, so I'm just listening. Mm-hmm. And I have never really liked the song Walking in Memphis, and and I it's don't... It's by Lone Star, it, yes, I think. It's not, but yeah. I prefer the cover by Cher. <laughs> Uh, I do love Cher. Still not a fan of the song. But I remember, you know, we're listening to all of these, and then he got onto a kick of just, like, other country songs that he would put on, and that was one of them. And he sang it full blast, and I just... He knew how much I disliked it. So that to the point where whenever he had his guitar out and I was in the same room as him, he would just start playing the first few notes of it, and I'd be like, no... No, <laughs> you d- and no. that's friendship, friends. Yep, that man is now my one of my very good friends. We call each other brother and sister because that's how we've always felt about each other. Is that just like we have that kind of weird kindred kindred connection? And his mother loves me for no particular reason, but I love her. <laughs> she also loves Dylan. <laughs> she thinks Dylan well is awesome. <laughs> Well, and Lucas played at y'all's wedding. Yes, he did. He did. That makes me so happy. Uh, Love you. You better listen to this. I'm sending it to you. (laughs) Listen to it all the way through. And when you're done listening to it, Lucas and other friends, you should like, rate, review, subscribe, share it with a friend, tag us on Instagram. If you played bingo, follow us on Instagram at this podcast doesn't exist. Yep, and if you feel the need to send us any of your sightings of Elvis, maybe, your diner order, if it is actually, like, the weird, gross, fried, bacon, whatever, Elvis sandwich, that, like, have you ever eaten that? Please, I want to know if anyone other than Elvis has eaten an Elvis sandwich. Maybe I shouldn't call them Elvis sandwiches. No, I think people get it. Yeah. Banana, bacon, and peanut butter. Fried. So, like, melty banana. You also don't I hate like bananas. bananas I so. hate bananas. In any case, send whatever that story may be. Any ghost stories, Elvis or not, go ahead and send them over to us at thispodcastdoesn'texist at gmail.com. Um, we would love to hear from you. If you have any need to send us to your enemies, please do. I feel the need to haunt everyone while I'm alive. Um, so let me do so. Let me haunt your enemies. And remember, this podcast doesn't, doesn't exist. exist.
I sped through that. I don't know why. Do you want to do it again? No. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye.